For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 113 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. I'm your host, Will Witten. And we're back. So happy to be back. Episode 113. <laughs> Spartan 113. No. Uh, no, no, no. Off. <laughs> off by four. Off by four. Um, we've got a few things to catch up on this week as far as Star Wars news goes. Some interesting happenings going on. We've also got a lot of voicemails and emails to catch on up on, so we're going to do that too. So if you've written in in the last couple of weeks, uh, expect to hear that this evening. Uh, before we get into all that, though, I'm going to give you guys the business. Oh, boy. I'm a little rusty, so you'll have to... Hit me with the me. rusty business. <laughs> oh, the rusty business. That's where... I stand behind you and jerk you off while I give you the business. Holy shit. All right. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. You can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. You can buy our things at tpublic.com slash user slash blue harvest podcast and guess what we got a new shirt up for sale you can join one of the greatest clubs in the galaxy when you purchase a porg cuddle club shirt available now on our tea public <laughs> and boy can i not thank our buddy evan enough <laughs> for killing another shirt design god damn i can't wait to get mine in because uh I'm, I don't know if you guys know this. I'm a proud member of the Porg Cuddle Club. So get yours now while they're hot and before any possible Disney takedowns. Uh, we are very excited to be part of the Making Star Wars Podcast Network. Along, Hell yeah, we are. Along with such great podcasts as Making Star Wars is Now This Is Podcasting, Steel Wars, Rebel Girl, Cantina. Cantina Cast, Idiots Array, 
Rogue One, Tarkin's Top Shelf, First Order Transmissions, Podcast 2187, and The Cargo Hold. So there you go. Oh, by the way, I believe I'm going to be on uh, old Podcast 2187 this coming week. So uh, Hell yeah, do the damn thing. Check that out when it... Uh, when it hits your Star Wars pod catcher of choice. That was good business. That yeah, was all right. You know, it wasn't rusty. I got there in the end. And I hope That's you what guys, matters. I hope you guys did too. Um, how's your week been, buddy? Last couple of weeks, I guess. It's been good. I missed you guys. I missed Hawes. But uh, it's good. It's good to be back. Yeah, I've had a, uh, you know, busy couple of weeks as usual with work and whatnot. Got to spend a little more time with my buddy Jackson Boba Payne. He is, uh, he's a grumpy fucking baby, man. Every time I get a picture of him, he looks like he's about to start swinging those little fists at somebody. He's got that He'll goose, mellow out. He's got that goose pain fighter spirit in him. The process of coming into the world is <clears throat> yeah. tiring. That, you know what? I think they should have just showed him if they like as he was being born, like fucking a new hope was playing, right? And that's right. and he saw that he'd be like, "This is fucking rad," and he'd just I like be this smiling. place. I like this place. This is rad. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah. Besides that, not a whole lot of whole lot else going on. Worn out. Um. So, have you heard any of these uh, interesting Star Wars rumblings that have been happening over the past I've, couple of weeks? I've been hearing a couple things. Tell me a little more about what you're talking about. So, I guess we'll just go in sort of uh, order of what all happened. Uh, the first thing happened last week. I want to say on Thursday, uh, Hollywood Reporter released a scoop. Hot scoop, hot off the presses. Get your Star Wars scoop. <laughs> Get to Star Wars here. Uh, they released a hot scoop that director Stephen Daldry, who's apparently best known for the movies The Hours and Billy Elliot, was in discussions to helm the Obi-Wan Kenobi spinoff movie. See, that's what I wanted the whole time. And the fact that I'm here in this rumor it makes me really happy. I'd love to see that movie. So, you know, when you're talking about this story, it's important to keep it in, keep in mind that this is in no way confirmed by Lucasfilm. Lucasfilm has been completely silent on the situation. Um, but also, Hollywood Reporter has been known to get some really good, accurate Star Wars information in the past. So, yeah. Um, and and since then, well. There's so much to talk about with this that really doesn't lead to anywhere. In the article itself, they also mentioned that a Boba Fett movie and a Yoda movie are in the works. It doesn't say in there if that's ju- if they actually heard that from the same source that told them about the Obi-Wan movie or if they're just reporting on sort of the rumors and speculation that has been out there. For a few years now. The the Yoda movie and the Boba Fett movie have been talked about since, you know, October 2012 when the Disney acquisition of Lucasfilm happened. So, right. you know, these are not new rumors we're hearing. Now, this is, 
you know, in my opinion, I, I think this is the first rumblings we've heard of an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie besides Ewan McGregor saying he would do it if they asked him and a lot of fan interest. So, um, since this article came out, Anthony Bresnikan over at EW Entertainment Weekly, which, by the way, if you guys haven't heard it yet, our good buddy Steele did an amazing podcast with Anthony Bresnikan um, on Steel Wars. And it's like a must-listen. It's great. They go over the Entertainment Weekly articles that were released um, about The Last Jedi. There's a little bit of Obi-Wan spinoff movie talk. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. You guys got to check it out. But anyway, uh, Anthony Bresnikan checked with his sources and came back with that the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie rumors are, talk is very early. So it's not like this movie is about, you know, good and ready to go. It sounds like this it's very early in the process. <clears throat> um, but, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. This movie is not looking to be released until 2020 at the earliest, you know. Right. Um, because we've got The Last Jedi this year. We've got Han Solo the year after that. Episode 9 in 2019. So this would be the 2020 Star Wars movie. If everything shakes out. Um, which means they would probably need to start filming... I would guess early 2019. So still even a couple of years away from filming and stuff. Um, but, I, you know, Obi-Wan is... Probably in my top three Star Wars characters. So, I'm very excited. Uh, I just, you know, it, the question is, is how do you do uh, an Obi-Wan movie set in between three and four? Because I, that's, I guess, sort of, I don't know if that's a correct assumption to make. Like, especially, if it's, if it's Ewan McGregor coming back as Obi-Wan, and that's what I want, personally. I would assume that it has to be in between three and four. <clears throat> um, and just how do you do that without sort of ruining that whole Jedi exile watching over Luke thing? And I, I definitely think there's a way to do it. Um, it's just for people smarter and more creative than me to figure out. Maybe when Luke is real young and doesn't, you know, is basically protected by his family mostly. Yeah, and and the question is, is like, if you do an Obi-Wan movie, is it completely set on Tatooine? Because I would think it would be. I just don't see Obi-Wan leaving. He could leave if he was young, I think. I mean, you run the risk right. of him being unprotected, but I don't know. Sometimes anonymity is a protection of its own. Yeah, yeah, I, I get you. And, and you know, like, um, our buddy Jason over at Making Star Wars has a really good point that, like, you know, there's shit. He did the math. Um, let's see. Something like... <laughs> oh, shit. Everybody, whoa, <laughs> I'm bad. Where'd you go? I'm here. Uh, 7,300. So, approximately, like, 
he did the math, 7,300 days between uh, episode three and episode four, right? And if you look at a Star Wars movie, they typically take place over a day or two. Like, The Force Awakens is probably a couple of days at most, right? Right. So, you know, as Jason says, which is a good point, you only need two of those 7,300 days for Obi-Wan to have some sort of movie-worthy adventure. Right. <clears throat> but, you know, we'll see. It's I, I'm excited just because, like I said, I love the character of Obi-Wan. He's one of my character favorite characters from both trilogies. So, you know, could be uh, it could be good, could be real good. Also, my I favorite. would love it. Also, my you know, Obi one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? Like, I know a lot of people are like, you know, Star Wars spinoff movies. That's that's a great opportunity to get away from the Jedi. Which I agree with. Like, you know, there's other aspects of the galaxy besides the Jedi that I find interesting. But also, fuck, I want to see some Jedi some of the time. So the fact that it would be a spinoff movie sort of centered around one of, if not my favorite, Jedi characters. Uh, that's, you know, that's exciting to me. Um, I just don't know. Like, who do you, like, who do you make the villain? Who do you, you know? A lot it could be about. anybody. There's a whole galaxy. I know. I know. And they could even do sort of a... It could be the Empire still. Yeah, I just don't see Obi-Wan wanting to... Or being willing to go up against the Empire if he's trying to stay hidden from the Empire. Right. You know, like... Because if, you know, he goes on some mission against the Empire, you would figure that word would get back to Darth Vader. And, not if he kills all witnesses. Yeah, but that's not... I don't know if that's exactly an Obi-Wan type of thing. Kill all witnesses. Obi-Wan just runs through an entire Star Destroyer, killing every last living being. Like, using the fucking laser batteries to shoot at escape pods and shit. I mean, him and Yoda went and did that at the Jedi Temple when it was overrun with stormtroopers. You've got a point there. Like, he and Yoda do go up and wreck sh- But can you blame them? No, I don't blame them. Like, they were just extinguished, hunted down, betrayed by these clones. I don't know if this scene is one of those things that doesn't sit right with people. Because it's not one that I hear talked about that much. But that scene when Yoda jumps up on the chest of the clone trooper and, like, impales him. Yep. I fucking love that. Dude, it's it's primal. It's intense. <laughs> There's a very expensive but very cool side so- show statue that recreates that moment. Really, and man. If I had the cash or found a good deal on one, it would it would be mine for sure. Um, but yeah, looks like it's very possible that we will be getting an Obi Wan movie. If all goes well, then it looks like it'll happen. I gotta say. I don't know, like, in the article, you know, it says that Ewan McGregor's not signed on yet or anything like that, but to me, that's probably just because it's too early to even worry about that. They don't have a script, they don't have a director, they're just now talking to directors and stuff, so. What if, if, um, what if it's kind of like an anthology 
and a story of its own. Like, what if there's flashbacks to him with Anakin and stuff that happened? That could be... Uh, so, and, and this is not the first time I've heard this idea floated. I think the first time was on Making Steel Wars. I think Jason mentioned that, like, what if the movie is Obi-Wan on Tatooine reflecting on... Like, having an adventure, but also reflecting on his life. So yeah. where you do get, like... Maybe a flashback to young, young Obi-Wan with, uh, you know, uh, Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon as his master. Maybe. And then you flash back to like young Obi-Wan with Anakin, mm -hmm. like a young Anakin. Mm -hmm. And you could still use Ewan McGregor as he is right now for that. Well, what what if they did a flashback to the Clone Wars and you and you brought Hayden back for it and it was him and That'd Anakin? Cool. Yeah, man, That'd be like. Really cool. I like that idea. I don't know that it's, you know, in the realm of possibility or outside of the realm of possibility for that matter. If it is done well, people will love it. Yeah, I could see that being really cool. Hayden could do it is the thing. Like, It's kind of like, you know what it makes me think of? And I'm sure there's a, like mo serious movie buffs out there that'll be like, well, you could have picked a better. But like, think about the Highlander. Like the movie, the Highlander, where... Yeah. In present day, he's pimping around fucking uh, New York, uh, you know, trying to face off against the Kurgan and keep yeah. his identity as a um, antique salesman. Yeah, antique salesman and as immortal, as being an immortal secret. But then you also get all the flashbacks to him becoming immortal, to him saving the lady that works in the antique shop with him in World War II. Yeah. All kinds of cool stuff, right? <clears throat> Obviously, you wouldn't have that breadth of flashback material with Obi Wan because he's not immortal. He hasn't wasn't born in the hills of Glen Finnan, you know. Dude, I'd love to see another Highlander movie. I don't know that. All right, this may break our friendship apart. I don't know if we've ever discussed this. Connor McLeod or Duncan McLeod? Uh, we have discussed this. That's why you're so apprehensive about this. And at the time, I told you Duncan McLeod. And uh, you were so butthurt about it. But in my time to reflect, I can see where Connor McLeod oh. is the, the superior Highlander. I love Connor McLeod. I just grew up watching way. so much of the other one. And you know what? I it's not. I have nothing against Duncan McLeod. It's just like recognize your silver place medal, son. Like right, right. Connor I get McLeod it. is the gold standard. You're like it was the cool Kmart version of Connor. I got you. Kmart's looking at death's door. <laughs> yeah, for real. I honestly don't ever think we'll see another Highlander movie without a, it being a remake. I could see. Really? I think they've and, been working on doing a remake for years now, and it's just never really gotten off the ground. I just don't know how many times you can remake the same stories. You know, like, I understand doing fresh things, but, like, I guess it's because people ha – there's less risk involved. You know it's a story people like, and maybe they want to see it updated and redone. But right. you can work within the same universe with different characters is all I'm saying. Like, Yeah, I mean, Highlander is as, – as much as I'm glad they made sequels, that none of them really turned out to be that great. I'm kind of partial to part three. Two is a dumpster fire. Even I mean, I just like – honestly, the first one. 
Highland. Yeah, like, but see, that's probably the best to me. Highlander is one of those things where it was probably best off not having sequels because they that movie has a very definite definite end. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, right? He is the final immortal, and like right. after that, you have to start coming up with real goofy ways to. Oh, there was an immortal frozen in a giant glacier, and he thawed out. Now and like more immortals, you know, or you, or you diminish the quickening, mm-hmm. you know, diminish that event somehow, the final quickening. And then like you bring, you bring uh Duncan in and you're like, Oh, how does this happen? You bring Connor into the pilot episode of the Highlander series, which I, I enjoyed as a kid. I recently tried to go back and watch some, they've got it all on uh, uh, Hulu, I believe. Yeah. Ooh, it was rough, buddy. It was rough. Um, I just remember watching it growing up, watching it on USA. I say this as I literally podcast underneath a collection of Highlander swords. Right? Like, I love me some Highlander. It's cool. The concept of the immortals and fighting to the death and having to behead one another. And that increases the other one's power. Like, even, you know, I don't know, another Highlander. Like, there are other Highlands in the world like you know maybe you know, just another immortal story would be cool it's kind of <laughs> assassin's creed i don't know yeah did you ever see um man what a great soundtrack by the way fuck yeah Princes right of the universe and who wants Queen? to live forever right man who wants to live forever is a jam um what was i gonna say oh did you ever see the highlander anime movie that they did I don't think I did, yeah. Yeah. It was kind of crazy, kind of futuristic. Yeah, I think it was done by the same guys that did like uh Ninja Scroll. Yeah. I could be wrong about that, but I believe so. Um and yeah, it it, it is kind of like cyberpunky, weird Final Fantasy meets Highlander. I I only I saw it back in the day when like you had to get Netflix movies in the mail. Like it was one of the movies I got sent in. And I haven't seen it since, and I've been hoping it would show up on some sort of streaming service because, like, I don't want to go buy it on Blu-ray if it's bad. I don't really remember it that well. It didn't strike enough impression on me for me to be like, that fucking Highlander anime movie rules. Yeah. All right. But we should get back to Star Wars. That was a serious Highlander tangent. Yeah, it was. Sorry. I like it, and I didn't get enough of it. <laughs> uh so uh after the obi-wan thing what happened okay so this weekend and this week has been gamescom in germany it's like um big european games conference surprise uh and we got a little new information on star wars battlefront 2 specifically their new Starfighter um mode uh, it's you know what was it called in the first one? I just had this fucking conversation on Rogue One and I forgot. Was it just <laughs> called Starfighter, or was it called I don't know Fighter Assault? Whatever. Um, Starfighter Assault is what it is. Okay, and they've got the uh, the new trailer for it, which is really good. I got to be honest, like for as much as my reception for Battlefront One cooled over time. Battlefront 2 is starting to feel pretty fucking cool and special. Uh, get more excited the more I see and, and the more they release about it. Um, you saw the trailer, right? 
Oh, absolutely. I'm, I saw this trailer, and I'm telling you, it blew my brains out the back of my skull. It's pretty badass, right? They show off the different ships. Mm-hmm. They show off the heroes, the assaulting, the dogfighting. It looks epic as fuck. Yeah, and it looks like it takes place uh, in the unknown regions, right? Like, it's in space, it looks like Fighter Assault is this. Well, there's a Fighter Assault that's like one, like Darth Vader's the villain, and it's um, like a galactic ship and uh, a Republic ship and a, <coughs> I mean, a, a Rebel ship and an Empire ship. And then there's a different fight that looks like it's Clone Wars era. I honestly think it might sort of all be mixed together. Meaning, like, when you get a, a hero ship, you're not delegated to a certain era. So, like... Oh, I see. So, kind of like... I see. Um, Battlefront 2 used to be, where, like, you could have Darth Maul fighting Darth... Or not Darth Vader, but Luke Skywalker on the same map, you know? Yeah. Because um, the villain was Vader and the hero was Yoda. Like, mm-hmm. you got to see Yoda piloting a ship. Yeah, yeah. It was Which, the um, Jedi uh, Starfighter, right? Yeah, and, and it's the same ship you get to see him pilot in the last arc of the Clone Wars. He's got his own little Jedi Starfighter in that arc, and it's it's the same thing. Um, yeah, it looks cool. I loved the Starfighter mode in Battlefront 1. I thought it was a lot of fun. Probably, to this day, one of my favorite you know, things to come out of that game was playing around in that mode. Um, so, you know, a more, uh, robust version of that. I'm all about it. I'm all about it. Um, we were talking on the last episode we did about my fucking adventures with the retro pie Sigma. Remember that? Yeah. That fucking rip off I invested in. Yeah. Uh, so I got a different solution set up to play ROMs, right? And last weekend, I just had a good old time going through and playing fucking Super Metroid, which I'd never played before. That was nice. Right. Um, uh, Mega Man X played some Gun Knack on the original Nintendo. By the way, if you guys have never played Gun Knack on the NES, you got to give it a shot. It is weird and fun. Um, but something else I did was played a lot of old Star Wars games. Oh, yeah? Yes. I played, for the first time ever, all of the Atari 2600 Star Wars games. Yeah, how were they? I mean, primitive as fuck, but I can see as, like, a kid in the 70s, you know, late 70s, early 80s, with one of those Ataris thinking that business was the shit. Um, I played a little Shadows of the Empire Hell yeah. 64. Fighting IG-88. I didn't even get that far. Like, I I didn't really... I just sort of jumped around and played a bunch of different stuff. So I didn't really... um, I played some Jedi Power Battles with Jesse. Did you ever play that? No, I never did. It was kind of like a... I'm trying to think of a good way to describe it. Almost a 3D... Uh, like Golden Axe beat 'em up type game, but it's Jedi hmm. that you play, and you can play as like Obi Wan, Qui Gon, uh, Plo Koon, um, and a couple other characters. Wow, maybe no, I never played that. Yeah, it's it's all right. It's nothing to write home about. Played some Dark Forces. Anyway, uh, 
yeah so that's that's what i did with my weekend last weekend and that's uh, awesome doing that definitely makes me look forward to a current gen star wars game the new one you know so yeah <clears throat> all right past that uh we got some news about the Han Solo spinoff movie. Uh, it was reported uh, and confirmed by Lucasfilm a while back that actor Michael Williams, I believe it's Michael K. Williams, yeah. uh, best known for The Wire, was going to be in the Han Solo movie. Well, apparently, due to his scheduling conflicts and the reshoots going on, he is no longer in the movie. Oh, damn. Yeah, yeah, which is a shame because he is a really good actor. Yeah, he's excellent in The Wire, and it would have been cool to see him in Star Wars. Um, <clears throat> the first article I read about it said that there were rumors he was playing some kind of weird half creature, half human character. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the the uh, case is here. Is is he just is that character and it and that character's sequences being completely cut out of the movie, or are they getting someone else to play that character? I don't really know. Um, one thing that this to me makes it seem abundantly clear that there's not going to be a delay to December of next year of this movie. If they're if they're cutting characters and actors out of the movie to keep on schedule, then something tells me this movie's coming out in May. So. Yeah. That's going to be so fucking weird, man, to see The Last Jedi and then five months later, Han Solo. Like, I'm, I'm sure you won't be bitching about it when you're sitting in front of the theater to see Han Solo. No, I'm, it's not that I'm going to be. It's just going to be weird seeing two new Star Wars movies that close together, you know? Yeah. It's already a little weird to me, and I'm not complaining by any means, but it's already a little weird that we get them every year now. It used to be every three years. It used to be never. Yeah, it used to be never. We went from no Star Wars movies to Star Wars movies every year. It's crazy. Yeah, it, That's one of those things that makes me think that, like, at some point I died and I'm in, like, a lost sideways universe. Because yeah. that, that is the kind of shit I would have dreamt up. A Star War, new Star Wars movie every year. Yeah, like, what if this is just a protracted coma? Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, I'm on a podcast. I've got like, what? Oh man. In about a month from now, you'll wake up and star Wars won't have been bought by Disney. And you'll be like, what was that all about? And like Jesse won't be there. like, how far does the protracted coma go back? Oh, I don't know. I'm just bullshitting around. Oh fuck dude. I'm having like a, I think I might be having like an out of body experience or a panic attack <laughs> or something. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, there's plenty of Star Wars. Are you mean to tell me that King Tom isn't real? Fuck. Does that mean like Steel isn't real? Fuck. Chris Fresh, Brad Love, Vader Nick, Johnny Grosso. Nah, that's how, because my mind would have never thought up a Johnny Grosso. I don't think my mind in a, co a coma state would have thought up of Johnny Grosso. Johnny Grosso is so unique. And so handsome. He is a handsome devil. Okay. Ooh. I need to calm down a little bit after that. I've, you shook me. 
you shook broke me reality for you there. Second. Yeah. You just offered me the red pill or the blue pill and my brain fucking <laughs> shorted out, my man. It was like... Which is the one? I don't remember. Is it red pill you take? I think the red pill is the woke pill. But I can't remember. That's the one. Mm. Mm. You know what would fucking suck is if... Uh, uh, like I wake up out of the coma and the one thing I find out is there's a, a Matrix movie every year now. Like that's oh. what happened in my coma. And the Wachowskis are doing their thing on oh, there's like since eight but there's like since nine see but see that would I th- like if this was really a coma then since eight wouldn't really really exist either see maybe that's, they would have done that too i don't know <laughs> that would that's what would be fucked up is not the <laughs> is the bad stuff that my brain thought up and and uh, being in a coma you know what i mean oh like um <laughs> like oh, shit. Donald Trump oh, being president. Yeah, Fucking, right. Like, uh, uh, Jupiter ascending. Yeah, Jupiter ascending. That's what I was going to say. Oh, you took that one out of my brain. There being a bad Dark Tower movie. From what I hear, I haven't seen it yet, so I can't really speak to it, but I haven't heard good things. To me, the Dark Tower is so fantastical. It sucks that you know, you have to make a trim version of it to make put it in a movie, but I understand, I guess. Okay, I'm trying to get get back in my body here, so let me uh, let me try to focus on some Star Wars news. Um, Sorry. So one of the things that came up in interviews with him talking about being cut from the Han Solo movie is the fact that Emilia Clark, who plays Daenerys on Game of Thrones, she's also in the Han Solo movie. He mentioned that her character's name is Kira. K-I-R-A. Kira. Yeah. What's interesting about that is Kira was, for a time, uh, Ray's name in The Force Awakens. Oh. I don't know if it was ever really considered to be her actual name or if it was just a code name. I'm not real sure about that. Um, so that's interesting, right? That they reused that name. That is. Uh, not the first time we've seen that happen, though, because Maz Kanata's name was Rose for a long time in The Force Awakens, and okay. that character, there's a character named Rose showing up in The Force Awakens, or The Last Jedi. So, you know, right. I've seen a lot of people going, oh, Kira, does that mean, since they used Daisy Ridley's code name, does that mean that possibly... Emilia Clark is Ray's mom. I don't think so. I don't think so, man. You know, the same thing happened with uh, Felicity Jones in Rogue One. There was a lot of people, and I don't even know that you could say a lot, but there was definitely people that were like, perhaps Jen Erso is Ray's mother. And, uh, you know, I think that is just going to happen until we fucking find out who Ray's mom is. Like, yeah. any new female character in Star Wars, uh, especially if, you know, their story takes place before The Force Awakens, people are going to be like, Ooh, look at Ray's mother! So, That's sad. Uh, I mean, you know. It's, <laughs> you know, I, I, I just, personally, I don't see that being the case. I don't see... Or being Ray's mom. 
if she's Ray's mom and she's in this Han Solo movie, like she would have have to they she would have to been conceived after him and Leia split up or were still together when I'm see that's the thing. I don't see I, like and I that's I, just the rationalization, I guess. Right. And and the thing is is like I got to be honest, I've not I personally I've not seen anybody say oh maybe it's she's Ray's mom and Han is the dad. You know? I see. Um it's just more of like maybe, you know, maybe she's I don't know. I I, I just don't see them doing like Oh, Han cheated on Leia. Leia cheated on Han. Here's the baby, Ray. Let's send it off to a desert planet. That does not seem Star Wars to me. You know? Yeah, she wouldn't, you know, Leia wouldn't let that happen. I I just don't foresee the, <laughs> the writers doing that, you know? It's so it, I'm not going to lie, I'm still kind of feeling like maybe I'm in a coma. <laughs> we broke a, we broke a wall there maybe the fifth or sixth wall oh my god like did you just send me into like a a mental state like am i oh my lord you have transcendent consciousness Hawes. i don't know about all that i think i'm just having a bit of a panic attack that's what it sounds like <laughs> and i'm not making it any better mm, i can't feel my lips <laughs> my face <laughs> is going numb all right i think <laughs> I think there's definitely something I can do to try and shake me back, bring me back. I think we need to hear from some of uh, our wonderful, not made up in Halls's coma writers and voicemailers. And you know how we do that. I think this. I think we're going to be using music as a, a mental. Whatever, thing. man. Every single one of these writers is your subconscious in some way or another. You know, the that's... iceberg that is your unconscious goes on forever. Consciousness is only the tip of the iceberg. You know, I don't know that if you said, hey, I think I might be having a panic attack. I don't know that I would be like, here, let me help move that along. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. It's it's an opportunity I couldn't miss. All right. Let's hear from let's hear the fucking Kia D song. God damn it. How you feeling now? Did that bring it back down for you? Not really. I feel like I'm gonna no. have a heart attack. No, 
No, don't do that. My arm is going numb. No, it's not. Sweating. Vision going blurry. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> All right. Um, man. There is no spoon. Oh, God damn it. Uh, we got a voicemail from JD Fett. Let's hear that. checking in so i got a story to tell y'all and it started about two weeks ago i was out checking out the yard making sure things are all right and i saw what looked like a giant bobcat i was like shit and scared the shit out of me i jumped about 10 feet up in the air and i said well i better keep an eye on this thing it had big long pointy ears longer than the ears i've ever seen on no bobcat before and I kept an eye on it. And I watched it for about a week. And then one day I decided, well, that's it. I got the dogs. I got chickens. I ain't let no bobcat get near my animals. So I then went over to old Papo's room. And I dug out his 22. He's got a nice 22 Marlin with a $100 scope on it. Nothing crazy, but it gets the job done. And I lined up that bobcat in my sights, right in the scope. And I was going to take that bobcat out of its misery and make sure it didn't get near any of my shit. And that's when I noticed it had a tag on its collar. I saw it right through the scope. I didn't see no collar before. And I was like, who the fuck would fucking collar and keep a bobcat? What's up with that? And it said, Mr. Cuddles on it. And I was like, shoo, well... I hope Mr. Cuddles doesn't have no Mrs. Cuddles. And I got ready to line them up and shoot him. And that's when Mamma came out and she opened the door and said, J.D. JD Fett, what are you doing? And she scared the shit out of me. And I missed him. I missed him. No, Mamma. Mamma, that's exactly what happened. I'm telling this here story. And that's what happened. I am not a bad shot, Mamma. You scared me and it made me jump and I missed the damn bobcat. Now quiet down. Sorry about that, boys. Anyways, I missed the bobcat, but he dropped something out of his mouth. It was round and it was green. So I went over to about where it was and I found it and I picked it up. And Mamma was making me some deer stew that night. And she usually put some nice taters in it and some peas. But the peas are always a little bit too squishy. And I tell... Yes, Mamma, they're too squishy. And I tell Mamma all the time, you got to make sure you cook them just right. J.D. likes a little bit of crunch in his peas. So I found this big green thing, and I was like, well, he was munching on a big old pea. And then when I brought it over to Mamma's stew, I started squishing it a little bit, and I was like, wait a minute. This ain't no pea that this bobcat Mr. Cuddles was, was fucking chewing on. This looks like a big old green testicle. And right about that time, I was listening to Blue Harvest Podcast, episode 111, and I fucking... That's when I realized what I had in my hand. I got Kit Fisto's testicle. So, Kit Fisto, y'all want your nuts back, you better come see J.D. Fett. Y'all better get ready to pay up. All right, guys, this is J.D. Fett checking out. My man was walking. Hey, you shouldn't be trying Whoa. to shoot a bobcat. Bobcats Whoa, are cool. shots fired. But, yeah, 
them nuts <laughs> them nuts is gone apparently like what's he gonna do like if he really wanted to go back and get his nuts from jd like it's too late to do anything with them like is it a pride thing like they're mine well, yeah no you kill them and you get your nuts back and put them in little bionic chambers underneath your ball you know yeah, I underneath guess it your is. penis i guess it is fucking like two little bacta globes yeah, yeah, you put like them down there, and then you're hanging your balls just paint. float in there with like some tubes and wires, <laughs> like fucking Futurama and shit. Yeah, right. <clears throat> Speaking of bobcats, totally unrelated though. I've got to. I'm I'm working on a new friendship. Will. Oh my god! With what? What kind of animal? So let me set the stage for you. Oh my god! <clears throat> About. It might have been two weeks ago, maybe a little longer ago. I was sitting on the couch playing some video games late at night, probably one in the morning-ish. And Walter was standing at her front door looking at it, and he started meowing and, like, rubbing up against the door. Yeah. And I was like, oh, there must be another cat out there. Right. And I go and I look, and staring back at me through the the front door, like, right up against it, uh, a raccoon. Oh no! And I got a picture of him. You can see it on the Blue Harvest Twitter account. I didn't get a great picture because he was, you know, he's being a little squirrely. But like he, we made eye contact, and he just stood there and stared at me for a little while. Didn't run away. Wow. Um, he ended up running away when the dogs were like, "Oh, what's he looking at? Let me go look." Run, 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 run. But uh, unbeknownst to Jesse, I've been putting little handfuls of like cat food. Out oh, on the front really? step. And she's a... going to be so mad. No, she's not. She's going to be all about me making a raccoon best friend. You're going to get rabies. Nah. They got You're going to get rabies. That. You're going to get dysentery. Mm-hmm. You're going to poop yourself inside out because you had to get raccoon love. No, man. So I figure uh, <coughs> this is my plan. I've already named him. Uh, Bradley What's Cooper Burkhart. Bradley Cooper? Bradley Cooper. His name is Bradley Cooper. His name is Bradley Cooper. That's uh, cute. I, I've developed, I'm going to develop our front step as like, oh, this place is cool. I can get a little food. I can talk to that. He is a wild animal. He is not going to, I look, I am never going to have this raccoon living in my house. He will scratch your eyeballs out. I know that's not a great idea. Like, you know, plus we, we got animals and stuff and I wouldn't want him to be unhappy. Like a raccoon hotel. Just for a couple of days is what you'd really want to be? No, no. I don't ever want him to step foot in the house. I, I know that's that's not a good idea. But who's to say I can't develop a, hey, come eat out of my hand strategy or type of relationship with him. So like now I set food on the front step. He comes up and eats it in the middle of the night. Eventually I go and sit on the front step with food after dark. And if I see him, I'm like, hey, buddy. I got the food now. You should come get some of this. I think it's possible. He's a young one. Yeah. He's a fairly young raccoon. When you lose a finger, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to hear that I lose a finger. That's cold blooded. When when the raccoon has a finger in his rabbit chili, I mean raccoon chili, I don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear it. You do not want it. That's fucking cold-blooded. First you send me into a fucking existential crisis. <laughs> and now I'm like, 
hey, I might be able to accomplish one of my personal goals, being friends with a raccoon. Have you ever, have you ever watched a nature show, Hawes? Any nature show? You know what they say? It's not a good idea <clears throat> to mess with wild animals because they're wild animals. They don't want to know you. They don't want to get petted. Okay. They just want to eat your face off. Well, uh, this will be one of the times I am most happy to prove you wrong. Wait for the video. When he, uh, I mean, I'll be impressed. I'll be impressed when he's eating out of your hand. I know he will because he's sweet and he's a raccoon. <laughs> Look it up on YouTube. There's tons of videos of people that have, like, raccoon friends that live by their house. I mean, that's cool. I'm not, like I'm saying, I'm not looking to, like... I'm going to get more up. animal hate mail. I'm not saying that. Just trying to protect you from rabies. Because rabies is right. no fun. I, I Look, if he ever bit me, the first thing I'd do is I'd go to the ER and be like, hey, a raccoon bit me. Perhaps I need a rabies shot. Look, I'm, And they'll be like, hey, do you have the raccoon that bit you? We have to cut his brain open to see if he's got rabies. So. No, they'll just give me... They'll just give me a rabies shot. They don't have to confirm. It's not like a rabies shot is going to kill me if I don't have rabies. Didn't you know if the raccoon didn't have rabies? It's a shot. I hear it's a rough shot to take. Ozzy said it was a real rough shot to take when he took that fucking bit that fucking bat's head off. All right. Kind of gross. <laughs> Next up, we got uh, Chris Lilly. Uh, hey guys, I was thinking about how impressive it was to see Kylo Ren freeze Poe's blaster bolt in the opening of The Force Awakens and began to wonder what new Force powers will we see in the next installment. What do you all anticipate seeing or want to see in The Last Jedi in terms of Force powers? Also, in relation to this, I think Kylo's mainly defensive Force power techniques are a result of pacifism that Luke adopted when teaching the New Jedi Order. I think he did away with lightsabers and primarily primarily offensive techniques, which can explain a few things. The sacking of the Jedi Temple and slaughtering of its followers, Kylo Ren's janky-ass lightsaber as a result of not knowing how to build one, why Luke doesn't appear to have a lightsaber in Episode Eight, and potentially was the cause for the rift between Ben and Luke. What I mean by that is, Ben might have had different ideological opinions <clears throat> on what the Jedi should be doing while he was a student under his uncle. Luke probably didn't want the new Jedi to police the galaxy and get drawn into conflicts like the Old Order, but Ben believed the Jedi needed to be more involved in providing order and security. Besides being manipulated by Snoke, this could be another reason why Ben found the First Order appealing and causes him to switch sides. I appreciate your thoughts. Have a good weekend, Chris. Hmm... Uh, what do you think, Will? New force powers. What would you like to see? Mm. Oh, God. So we've seen lightning. We know the choke, the throw, the force push, the lightsaber retrieve. <laughs> Freezing of the blaster bolt, like you mentioned. Freezing of the blaster bolt. Freezing of people. We also saw Kylo do. He froze Ray. Invasion of the mind. Invasion of the mind. I mean, they, there's so many force powers. Like, you you got to think, like, the ability to wield a lightsaber the way a Jedi does is in, its, in of itself a force power. You know? Right. They, they can jump better. 
They they jump real good, them Jedi. <clears throat> um, personally, I'd just say like they. I definitely see the need for them to occasionally introduce new force powers to make it exciting and new and fresh. Uh, I agree with Chris that freezing of the blaster bolt. I was like, this is some next level shit, man. Fuck yeah. yes, fuck yeah. yes, this movie. Um, it was so awesome that for a second it took me to compre comprehend actually what had happened the first yeah. time I saw the movie. So, you know, the thing is, is I don't want him to get too crazy with the Force powers. You know, I don't want um, Jedi to end up becoming like basically airbenders from fucking The Last Airbender. Let me, let me ask you this. Could a Jedi pull a TIE fighter out of the sky or a Star Destroyer? So, while I agree that doing that in the Force Unleashed game is badass, it's badass that it lets you do that, that seems a little overpowered for one character, you know? Doesn't Yoda do it once in the Clone Wars? Like the cartoon, The Clone Wars? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember it off the top of my head if he does. Now, grabbing like a fighter-sized ship out of the air for like a really powerful, like really well-trained <clears throat> Jedi doesn't bother me as much because, and I know it's not a one-to-one -one comparison, but we saw Yoda lift the X-Wing out of the swamp, you know? That's what I was thinking about. I was like, Yoda lifts a ship, and he's just sitting there with his eyes closed constantly. Yeah, but it's also not a ship going full-ass X-Wing speed, you know, in the atmosphere. Right. But if they were to do that, if we were to see Rey snatch a fucking TIE fighter out of the air or Kylo snatch a fucking A-Wing out of the air and make it crash, I, I think I would be pretty down with that. But once yeah. you start, the sheer size of a fucking Star Destroyer and the fact that, like, you know, you hardly ever see those in atmosphere. They're typically up in space. Like, I don't know. So it just seems a little too overpowered. A little too OP, as the kids would say. So I want them to, you know, occasionally add stuff. I'm trying to think of a specific power I would like to see them pull off. Um, Maybe a version of... The Jedi mind trick, but maybe it's also an illusion. Like you can make them perceive something that's not there or differently. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't even know that we haven't seen something like that, but that's a cool idea. Like a glamour for, put it in like D&D &D terms, right? Yeah. A glamour. Hmm. Um, he does raise an interesting point about the, whole pacifist Jedi thing. I don't know that that's going to be the way they go with it, but the fact that Kylo has that really defense, uses that really defensive move, basically all the stuff that Chris laid out, you know, it would make sense. I just don't know that they will go with that. Um, is that why Kylo's lightsaber is unstable? Because he's not very good at building a lightsaber? I thought it was because the crystal was cracked. So... This is the thing. The crystal is definitely cracked, right? Yeah. But why is the crystal cracked? So there's... I don't know, man. Like, we have so little pieces of the actual puzzle. There's that new thing in canon where the way a Sith gets his lightsaber 
is he's corrupting his crystal is corrupting a crystal like in the new Darth Vader comic Palpatine doesn't just give him a crystal and say here corrupt this he has to go on a mission to kill a Jedi and take their kyber crystal and corrupt it right so could it be that Kylo had a crystal of his own and then tried to corrupt it and in the process cracked the crystal because he wasn't fully committed to the dark side because he wasn't uh you know powerful enough to corrupt it who knows could that be why his lightsaber is all fucked up did he just get a pre-corrupted fucking cracked crystal somewhere are kyber crystals really hard to find and you know are they gonna do something where that's vader's kyber crystal in his saber are they gonna you know it's hard to say they they haven't said for sure they've given us the reason but they haven't said why like the reason it's all fucked up is because it's got a cracked kyber crystal but what's that all about you know why is that kyber crystal cracked they haven't answered that huh I'm down to find out, though. Yeah, I am, too. I want to know. All right. We got a voicemail from King Tom. King Tom! Hey, Oswell. King Tom here. This is some great stuff we've been uh, getting from the Brez, and I'm sure you guys are doing a great job of talking about it. I can't wait to see what you have to say about it. Um, but it just reinforces my belief that, and something we've all said, we're, we're living in great time a great time to be Star Wars fans. And I've been thinking a lot about the summer of 2005. Saw Revenge of the Sith, loved the movie, um, but I was just, kind of part of me was filled with this overwhelming sense of despair. That might be putting it a bit bit dramatically. Um, But, you know... My whole life, I had new Star Wars movies to look forward to, and then at that moment, the moment I got out of Revenge of the Sith, I realized, you know, I'm getting married in a year, kids weren't on the radar yet, but I knew I'd have them someday, and I wouldn't be able to take my kids to see a Star Wars movie. Um, You know, even in the time before the prequels were being produced, I knew that there would be more in the future, and George had always said, no, at the end of Revenge of the Sith, that's going to be it. Yeah, we were going to get some. TV shows and other stuff, but we would never really see on the big screen what would happen to Luke and Han and Leia, and this seems comical now that I'm talking about it, but back then it was a thing. Um, and I was just wondering, did you guys, you know, you guys were Star Wars fans back then too, did you guys feel this way, or what did you guys feel other, other than your reaction to seeing Revenge of the Sith, what was your feeling about Star Wars as a whole when you left the movie theater? that day in May of 2005, or night. Um, night and morning for me because I saw it at midnight and went across town with a friend <laughs> with another group of friends at like a 3.30 show or something like that. And yeah, I'm bragging about that. Just as a quick <laughs> aside though, you know, I didn't watch, um, Lost came out in 2004. I didn't watch the first season live. I didn't get around to watching it until the summer after that first season because a friend made me a DVD of the first few episodes and was like, you got to try this out. And I watched and I was hooked. And so my spoiler obsession went from Star Wars almost immediately over to Lost, 
was with Lost for six years when I knew there wouldn't be new Star Wars and then had to wait a little bit, but now I'm back to Star Wars again, so full circle. Anyway, um, thanks for listening. Uh, and do me a favor, congratulations to uh, new Papa Goose Payne and, and his family. Um, thanks for listening, and uh, keep up the great podcast, and I'll talk to you, uh, you two gentlemen later. That was a nice voicemail from King Tom. Yeah, it was. All right. Do they, why I think we you... actually covered a little bit of his question already, but... Yeah, we did sort of talk about how they're used... To, like, we thought that shit was over. Yeah. Maybe yeah, maybe me and know. King Tom are in a shared coma. Maybe we're in the same hospital room next to each other and our coma dreams are merging together. Maybe you guys are dreaming together. Maybe you're layers deep. Oh, my Lord. Oh. Um, okay, let me set the stage for 2005 for me. 2005, I was living in Starkville, Mississippi on Highway 12, the house that Will would actually eventually end up moving into. I was working. I was playing World of Warcraft, and I was swimming in the pool that that house had that was pretty much the extent of what i was doing in 2005 so yeah i was real stoked for star wars i remember going out for the i guess it was force friday or whatever the hell it was whatever the hell they called it the night all the episode three figures came out and i got uh the two-pack Star Wars Unleashed figures that were Obi-Wan versus Anakin. And it's got all, like, the crazy plastic lava effects around them and stuff. I've still got that somewhere. I need to to display that once I get the Star Wars room together. And the other thing I remember picking up was the transformation of Darth Vader figure set. That was, like, Darth Vader on the table and you could take the armor off and, you know, you could put him in and out of the armor and stuff. Right. Um, actually waited in line for Star Wars tickets at the theater the day they went on sale. And there was a lot of folks in line. Um, crazy that that's not a thing anymore. Like, I haven't done that since then, I don't think. Waited for movie tickets in line before they... Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. Ended up going to see it with... My roommates and friends, uh, I think I saw it four or five times opening weekend. Um, saw it a whole bunch. I ended up, that's still the one I've seen the most in theaters. I saw that one ten times in the theaters. Because just like T King Tom said, I was like, fuck, this is the last one. I'm going to see it as many times as possible. So I saw that movie a whole lot that summer. Um, what about you, Will? What was your... Revenge of the Sith, <clears throat> 2005 experience. 2005 is my freshman year of college. I um, <clears throat> I came home on the weekend and saw it with my dad, and uh, just loved it. You know, we loved it and we talked about it and thought it was great. Um, that's it. And then uh, I might have seen it in the theater once or twice more. This freshman year of college, I was trying to study and trying to chase skirts at the same time <laughs> i didn't see it as many times as i should have in the theater but ah. so saw it a bunch uh when it came out on dvd 
you know, Star Wars is pretty typical to eat a family dinner to like, you know, when you would watch a movie that night, you know, might start the movie early while dinner was seen being made and Star Wars, all, all volumes were one of those movies that, that would get watched a lot. My family loves Star Wars. So, you know, I'd get to see Revenge of the Sith and there were some parts that got awkward from there, but you know, initially I loved it. I loved it. Thought it was great. Right on. <clears throat> <laughs> I too remember the days when there wasn't Star Wars and you know I thought it was so sad I was like here's something that's so good that so many people could enjoy and it's just done it's just done these guys these characters are even still alive you know and it's just done these you know, actors you know what I would love to know I would love to know like so okay we know at one point you know George Lucas has changed how many Star Wars movies there were supposed to be since Star Wars came out. You know, at one yeah. point, you know, it was going to be 12. At one point, it was just, you know, like five or whatever, you know? Um, I wonder at what point after Revenge of the Sith, he decided, oh, I want to do an episode seven. Because there was a story that came out, and who knows how true it was, um, But it might have even come from one of his kids that George Lucas was initially planning to write and direct episode seven and then sell Lucasfilm. Like, you know, bring Star Wars back for episode seven and then pass it off. Um, Which obviously never happened. And, and, you know, I I just wonder at what point was like when he was telling people during Revenge of the Sith, like no, this is it. There's not going to be any more. Was that at the time? Was he like, no, that's what I mean. Or was in the back of his head was like, of course there's going to be more. He's like, I just got to build hype. Yeah. You know, honestly, I kind of feel like he was, he was really done. Like, I really think that at when he was was done too, because I feel like he was really hurt. I do too, man. I I think that whole prequel, uh, experience really, really bothered him because he still brings it up. Like, you know, Carrie and Mark and um, uh, Harrison may have not wanted to do it because if George was going to be involved and maybe him not being involved is what allowed them to do it. I know they'd never admit that. I don't know. You know, Carrie Fisher worked, did some writing on the prequels and stuff. I, I think her and George were pretty cool. You know, that's good. I, look, I can't say that for sure. Like I didn't know the lady or not and i don't know george um so i can't really say but who knows um all right oh i just had a fuck man you shook me all night long will did i really every now and then i'm just like is this real is is this real it doesn't help that doctor a doctor strange dress like I got like the lights real low in the house and it's just me right now. So like Jesse's at work. So the house is all super quiet and all I can hear in so my a dimensional head. rip in your house would not be too far fetched. Oh my God. Wake up halls. Wake up. Actually, you know what? If, if this is a coma dream, I'm cool. Just chilling here. I'm cool with that. <clears throat> all right. Next up, we got our Swedish buddy, Oliver. Hey guys, 
Oliver from Sweden here. Today it was announced by Hollywood Reporter that an Obi-Wan standalone movie is in the works. So I guess that's what you guys will be talking about tonight. <laughs> hey! I'm very excited hey. to see Ewan McGregor reprise the role of Obi-Wan. And from the article, it seems like the Luke, that Lucasfilm is considering a Yoda and Boba Fett movie as well. If this is all true, it means we'll be getting at least four movies about specific characters in the Star Wars universe, and I actually prefer this to movies like Rogue One. Anyway, something that I was looking forward to in the new movie movies are the new locations that we will be seeing. So I was wondering, what are your favorite locations and or movie sets in all of Star Wars? Mine is definitely all of Cloud City, and especially the Carbon Freezing Chamber. Thanks for making the podcast, guys. Oliver. Well, Oliver uh, took my number one filming location slash set. Um, what about you, Will? What are a couple of yours? And then I'll do a couple. We'll just shoot the shit about sets and, and locations and stars. I always liked Hoth. I always really? liked the snow planet Hoth. And I always liked um, the jungle planet Dagobah and the forest planet Endor. Like, uh, I just like, I guess when a whole planet is devoted to a certain climate, I mean, I like Tatooine too, but it's just so dry and deserty and sand. It's just not pretty. You, you know, know uh, Empire is my favorite movie, but I find Hoth a little boring. Really? Not the events, obviously, everything that happens on Hoth, but Hoth as a location to me is just cold Tatooine. Well, like I like the fact that it's super secret base. Yeah. On a on a planet with a climate that is not hospitable. Right. You know that's why it's there. I just like the fact that it's a rebel base and it gets assaulted by. Right. You know Darth Vader's personal army. They have to run. Yeah, I I like um, I like uh, the carbon freezing chamber. I definitely like Dagobah. I am with you on that. I don't know why. I, part of the reason I think I like Empire Strikes Back so much is the sets. Like, I yeah. like a lot of the sets in Empire Strikes Back. Um, Dagobah being one of them. Like, I just feel like for what, you know, we know is on a soundstage, it just looks awesome. You know what I also really like is the uh, the forest set on The Force Awakens where the big lightsaber battle happens. I think that's cool. Like the snowy forest. Cool um, uh, locations. Like, I like indoor. Indoor is one of those places I see, I'm like, damn, that looks cool. But you know what's always in the back of my head on indoor is, I bet you there's some nasty fucking bugs on indoor. What if there are jungle rancors, I mean forest rancors, like rancor bears? That's funny. In the uh, in the EU, there were definitely planets that had wild rancors riding around on them. If I'm not mistaken, the uh, oh, I'm gonna say this and then I'm gonna be wrong, but I'll just go for it. If I'm not mistaken, in the EU, I think the um, the Dathomir Dathomiri uh, Force Witches ride rancors at some point, Damn. like as mounts. <laughs> but maybe you, I'm you do that shit it. in the Force Unleashed too. I remember um, there's some rancors uh, in the courtship of Princess Leia, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Jabba's palace—that's a set I dig. Yeah, like Jabba pa Jabba's palace to me is like I was were... gonna say Jabba's palace, but I thought I had to pick a planet. No, he said sets or locations. Sets or yeah, locations. if you got any sets, tell me. But like, yeah, Jabba's Palace. Uh, 
was like they were like okay let's take the cantina and really like expand it because like Jabba's palace seems huge it's a palace like there's underground and shit there's all kinds of different aliens like yeah. I just think it looks cool it looks really cool on the outside and on the inside I like the architecture of Jabba's palace and Naboo Pretty much oh, all of Naboo. Man, Naboo is the planet, I, the Star Wars planet I think I'd like to live on if I had to live on a Star Wars planet. I think Naboo would be it. Felucia is the, the trippy neon jungle, right? I think that's... Is, is that Salukamaya? So. I don't know. It's one of those two, I believe. I the one that Ayla uh, Sakura dies on. Yeah. Yeah, you might be right. Um, I, I like that. I like that planet. Yeah, but... Like you don't think after a while you'd be like, all right, enough of this acid flashback. Time time to see some regular shit. Well, I mean, yeah, but that's the point of visiting crazy oh, yeah. shit in the galaxy. Yeah, I would go visit. I wouldn't want to live Couldn't there. Spend f- um, five minutes on Mustafar. Yo, Fuck no. What's up? Been here later. Same thing with Camino. I think Camino would just make me nervous. I'd like Camino, depending on the circumstances. Uh, Solust, get me the fuck out of here. Oh, like Solust from the Battlefront game, the way it is yeah. in the Battlefront game? It's like yeah. a mix of Mustafar and uh, Hoth. Yeah. This has got me wanting to play some Battlefront 1 in a bad way. I might do that this weekend. Um, all right. We should uh, move along because we've got a few more. Not a whole lot. We got, uh, who do we got coming up next for you guys? We got Neil. We got another from Chris Lilly and uh, our buddy, my buddy Ed that I met at um, Star Wars Celebration. He wrote in. Oh, and we got one from Robbo, too. So let's see. Uh, Robbo. Hey, Halls and Will and Halls. Uh, Robbo here. And I got to admit, this new Chosen One thing has me spooked. That plot thread has brought headache, nothing but headaches for Star Wars. The first and most obvious problem is that the prophecy isn't mentioned by anyone in the original trilogy. We're free to come up with whatever justification we want for why this is, but all of us already know the truth. The prophecy wasn't part of the story. Everything in those movies, the dialogue, the direction, the editing, and the performances exist only to tell the story as it existed then. If any of my fellow Blue Harvest fans think I can't back this up, find me on Twitter and prepare to receive the knowledge. On top of this, the prophecy is a very small and not particularly important part of the prequels. This is not a criticism, just an observation. If the prophecy were important, the movies would have told us exactly what it says and exactly how the heroes interpret it. That way, when it comes up again at a critical moment in the story, the audience can be surprised by how the prophecy actually unfolds. Remember in Lord of the Rings how we're told that a told a couple of times that the ring wraiths can't be killed by the hand of a man then this kick-ass horse princess lady kills one saying i am no man set up then pay off the chosen one prophecy isn't really set up at all the movies never settle on what it says or who believe who believes in the only conclusion i can draw is that the prophecy existed to paper over things uncle george didn't feel like explaining In The Phantom Menace, the prophecy exists only to explain why Qui-Gon risked an entire planet's fate on an eight-year-old. In Attack of the Clones, the prophecy somehow justifies the Jedi trusting Anakin to be alone with 
with Padme and explain why a tower full of Jedi masters can't see the future or sense the Sith Lord who literally lives next door. As a side note, the Sith is indisputably at the height of its power in Empire Strikes Back, yet Yoda can see the future then without a problem. Another chin-scratcher for another time, I guess. In Revenge of the Sith, Yoda and Mace have gone back to doubting the prophecy as if their lines in Attack of the Clones were never pro spoken. And for the first time ever, it's Obi-Wan who believes Anakin is the Chosen One despite his previous expressions of doubt. Now it's his turn to use the prophecy as an excuse for ignoring Anakin's obvious problems. In the end, the prophecy plotline weakened the prequels. It appears in all three, yet isn't important to any of them. The real story of the prequels stand just fine on their own. A nation sacrifices its freedom in exchange for security. A warrior's fear of loss costs him everything. This is great stuff. I wish Uncle George could have seen that because the Chosen One plot thread is clearly a product of his insecurity. It reads like fanfic. You thought Luke was cool? Well, my new hero is literally the whole galaxy's savior. His power is godlike. He's more important to the story than all of your favorite characters combined. As much faith as I have in Ryan Johnson's writing in Direction, I seriously doubt he could even pull something worthwhile out of that old mess. Am I right to be so critical? Do you guys care about the prophecy? Does it really deepen the saga in some way? Am I just some damn-ass fool who can't see it? Don't go easy on me, boys. Alrighty. Robbo. <clears throat> um, huh. Prophecy. Robbo, uh, the prophecy doesn't bother me. It doesn't piss in my Cheerios. I mean, that's kind of what prophecy is, like, and you never know who said it. You, you, and it'd be interesting to know who said the prophecy, but, um, you know, it could be true. Some come true, some don't come true. Like, you never know. Like, you may have to wait a long time. Maybe, maybe Anakin's story wasn't that prophecy coming true. Like, well, the first thing is, is <clears throat> I, you got to take into, you got to think of where this is all springing from. This whole. As much as it, what makes Anakin important is that supposedly he was born of a virgence in the Force, conceived of the midichlorians, conceived of the Force. That's what makes Anakin so interesting. Whether there was a prophecy or not, the Jedi were going to keep him close and see what happens, okay. no matter what. Right. And what you got to think is like, yeah, but they, uh, well, we'll get to that in a second. Like, this is all coming up because... Mark Hamill said in the Entertainment Weekly article that he th that Luke thought Kylo was the chosen one. Right. I maintain that that necessarily isn't meant in the same context as the chosen one from this prophecy. I think what Mark Hamill, personally what I think Mark Hamill probably more meant was he thought Kylo was the chosen one in that he was going to be the one to continue on the legacy of the Jedi. Not necessarily Kylo was the one that was supposed to bring balance to the Force, etc. You know, whatever that prophecy is. You got to kind of look at the prophecy as health itself and see what we do know about it, which isn't much. Apparently, this prophecy talks about some being born of a virgins in the Force. Because... Uh, Obi or uh, Qui Gon says to the council, 
I believe he was born of a virgins of the force. And they're like, are you referring to the prophecy of the one that'll bring balance to the force? I'm right about that, right? In the Phantom Menace? Yeah. And that's all we really know. Now, to me, what's the most interesting thing about the prophecy is that it does come true. Anakin is the chosen one, but it's not cut and dry. Like, because if the prophecy mentioned, oh, there's going to be this guy, he's going to be join, uh, you know, uh, he's going to be born of a virgins in the force, and he's going to fall in love with a senator, he's going to secretly marry her, he's going to have kids with her, and an evil Sith Lord is going to use that to, you know pray into his fear of loss and cause him to you know fall to the dark side he's going to help exterminate the jedi order and then 20 years from then with the help of his son he's going to then bring balance to the force like they would know that the the prophecy doesn't say that is what i'm trying to say so that's what's interesting to me about it is that the prophecy is true in the end you know it's just not a straight line like there's some uh bumps in the road on along the way what if ray is born of a virgence in the force that that could be everyone's it. everyone's asking like who's ray's parents like okay and see the prophecy gets confusing for me and a couple other things so if the Jedi really believe in this prophecy, like they think it's legit, then why would they initially turn Anakin away? If if there really is a prophecy that there's a kid going to be born of the emergence of the Force and he's going to bring balance to the Force, then and, and Qui Gon shows up and he's like, "Yo, I got this kid. He was born of emergence of the Force. Would you not investigate that a little further than a fucking hologram test and then being like, nah, you can't train him. He's too old. You know? It wasn't because he was too old. It was because of the amount of fear he had in him. They feared, they feared what he would become with that amount of fear, that attachment to his mother. Right, right. But that is, I think that and being too old in their mind goes hand in hand because that's why they get Jedi so young is so they can avoid in, them I making th- those kind of attachments and, and agreed and I think that's why they avoid that is because a Jedi that learns then becomes rebellious right. and rebellion leads to the dark side right but rebellions are built on hope will um, right so <laughs> uh, yeah I don't so that that's weird to me. But even still, like if someone told you there's going to be an imbalance in the world and there's going to be a kid born of a virgins in the like I just don't see why they reject him even though they sense this fear and attachment to his mother and stuff. Like if there's this prophecy that they all believe in, you know what I mean? Why would they, they don't all believe in it? That's very it's that, like an that's, old Republic era prophecy that some people are like, oh, that's just some shit. Somebody right. said, right? Um, that's that could be very possible. Um, I also don't think any of these movies are really going to dive deep if that you know into any of that stuff. Like, I think it will be 
keywords we hear every now and then. Just like and uh, when Mark Hamill said the chosen one, he doesn't he might not have necessarily meant in the prophecy. Right. Chosen one to replace him, the chosen one right, to carry on the Jedi legacy. The... Right. That's what I was saying, but like <clears throat> um you know, at the beginning of the Force Awakens, Lore Santeca tells Poe Dameron, without the Jedi there can be no balance. Right? Right. He brings up this whole concept of the balance of the force again. Maybe the prophecy just states that anytime there's an imbalance in the force, there will be a chosen one that comes up. But see, that doesn't make sense because why would Luke think Kylo is the chosen one if Kylo going to the dark side is what causes the imbalance? Like, you know, it's so messy. It's so messy, this whole prophecy business. That's what I agree with Robbo on, is that it it does, does get... Mo- like, if you sit down and think about the whole prophecy thing, it kind of feels like something that... And, and this happens a couple of times in the prequels that George sort of set up that he didn't really come back to. That seemed like, for instance, Anakin tells um, tells everybody that he had a dream that he was a Jedi and he came back to Tatooine and freed all the slaves. Yeah. Right. He tells them that in, uh, the Phantom Menace. Did you think that was a setup for something later in the trilogy? Cause I know of course I, did. I did. Right. He never goes back to that. That thought idea. he was going back to free all the slaves. Never happens. Right. So I, I think the prophecy might be one of those things where like, he just didn't end up wanting to nail it down or get into it too much. Maybe the whole midichlorian backlash spooked him and he didn't want to get into it more than he felt he needed to after that. You know, you want to think of George Lucas as being this dude that's going to do what he wants to do. But I also feel like George Lucas in the prequels really reacted to some of the fan stuff. Like, clearly Jar Jar was going to have a bigger role in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Originally. Like, when he sat down and, and made wrote that character for The Phantom Menace, he planned much for more for it in the coming movies. But, you know, the Jar Jar backlash happens, and look how much Jar Jar you have in Episode 2 and 3. You know? Right. Not saying that, you know, Jar Jar wouldn't have ended up in the same place, you know, being one of the people that helps the Emperor gain control of the senate and stuff but you know it's just interesting to see so i i wonder if maybe that spooked george a little bit and he didn't really want to get into the prophecy stuff too much but i guess we'll see i guess we'll see i think that's the kind of stuff that makes it neat that's what makes it not like other science fiction in all honesty the mysticism the force the prophecy yeah I, and like I said, I, that's what makes it not like, a, you know, any other science fiction to me. I do like the prophecy, but I can also see what Rob's saying where like, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense at parts. And that's okay. Like with Star Wars in general, like you just got to make a few concessions with that kind of stuff. Like you're either going to get the cool unexplained stuff like, you know, in A New Hope when he talks about the clone wars, we had no idea what the clone wars was. 
you know, and then you, you eventually get it explained and you either like it or you don't. So some stuff, you know, I feel like is better left fully explained. And I think the prophecy is one of those. And I feel that way about a lot of force stuff too. Like, I don't know how much of like force lore I want explicitly spelled out, you know? Yeah. I want to know more. And I think we will know more after The Last Jedi, but I don't want like a history of the force book or, you know what I'm saying? Or a a full explanation of the force because I like it to be a little weird and mysterious and I like to play around with it in my head too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. It's a living thing. It moves and changes through all of us. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, next up, we got our buddy Neil. Hey, Halls and Will. I'm about to discuss what I'm about to discuss does have a small spoiler about the new novel Inferno Squad. So if any Blue Harvest fans haven't finished it, they may want to skip ahead a bit. In the novel, you find out that Lux Bonteri from the Clone Wars is still alive and is part of the group that Inferno Squad is sent to infiltrate. I liked Lux as a character and was excited to still see him alive even after the destruction of Jedi City and the Emperor's persecution of rebel activity. This brings me to my question. If you could pick one character that faded out of the story to bring back in some form, whether it be book, movie, or game, who would it be? My personal pick would be Bosk. Who would you choose? Bosk is a good one. He, he knows where to go at me on those. Yeah, right. Bosk is a good one. Who would you be? Who's who's would yours be, buddy? Who would you like to see them do some more stories on that sort of faded out of the story? Um, give me a second. I'm I'm thinking. What about you? Bosk is a good one. I'm trying to think of one myself. Um, I mean, there's an obvious answer for me. Like, what the fuck is Lando up to during the sequel trilogy? Yeah. From all we've heard, we it doesn't look like Billy D is showing up in episode eight unless it is like a super surprise cameo. Oh my god, do you know how much I'd lose my shit if we go see the last You'd Jedi? Squeal in the theater. Oh my god. You would like shout and cry like it's a Beatles concert. I, I'm saying right now, if if he's in it in a cameo, which I don't think he is, I just get the feeling that he's not. But if he's in, in it in some sort of cameo capacity, that would be a spoiler I would be real bummed to know ahead of time. You know, like that would be yeah. one that I'd actually like to be like, fucking Lando. Yeah. yeah. But um, so Lando would be one for me. I mean, that's that's a little more, you know, main character based than yeah, what that's he was not necessarily for. background character. Um. I guess it doesn't necessarily have to be background character because Lux wasn't really a background. Oh, I know another one. Cad Bane. I'd like to see what happened to old Cad Bane. Yeah, Cad Bane is cool. Cad Bane is cool. Do you got one yet, buddy? I, I'm i just at a loss. <coughs> All right. I don't know, maybe Jimmy Schmitz. Bail Organa? Maybe Bail Organa. Well, you know, we've actually gotten some sweet Bail Organa action, really. In the Clone Wars you did, that's true. Well, we got him in the Clone Wars. He's been in uh, at least an episode or two of Rebels. Um, He was also in Rogue One. 
I don't really know. I mean, not that I would be against like a Bail Organa story of some sort. By no means. I love the character. I actually really like Bail Organa. That damn Jimmy Smiths, man. He's a, he's a, what a guy. Damn ass Jimmy guy. Smiths. Um, Tarkin, Grand Moff Tarkin. Yeah, the Tarkin book was great, I thought. Some people thought it was a little boring, but I dug the Tarkin book. Um, okay, the country X-Wing fighter from A New Hope. The X-Wing leader. Red leader? Yeah, red leader. All right. That would be cool. Uh, dude, I could get into any... Like, what the fuck happened to Wedge? I could get to, into any of the the pilots. I could get behind a, a good story. I actually really enjoyed those Rogue Squadron and Wraith Squadron books from the old EU. Those, Hell yeah. Those were cool. All right. <clears throat> we got uh, another one from our buddy Chris Lilly. Hey, guys. As, it's, as we come closer... To the release of The Last Jedi and have seen toy spoilers, I'm getting kind of bummed out that there hasn't been any mention of the one thing I wanted Episode 8 to delve into the most. The Mysterious Knights of Ren. I know that Making Star Wars reported that were several black-clad actors seen on Octo set many months ago and was believed to be the Knights of Ren confronting Rey and Luke, but nothing else has developed from that. Also, some podcasters mentioned that the new elite Praetorian guards could be the Knights of Ren following Snoke's ascendancy. However, I hope that's not true, as I like the design of those dark side alkalites as seen in The Force Awakens. They are more intriguing to me if they look like an over-the-top doom metal band rather than red, shiny, and near-identical guards. What do you guys think about the future of the Knights of Ren in the sequel trilogy going forward? Also, congratulations to Halls on being an uncle. Thanks, buddy. Chris. So, Knights of Ren. Yeah, I don't know that we're going to be getting any Knights of Ren in Episode 8. And we, I mean, maybe. Maybe they're keeping it real close to the chest. Um, the Knights of Ren are interesting. Like, I... I Maybe before Luke went into hiding, he made sure there was only one. Maybe. You think he went on like a Death Note fucking spree? Um, not Death That'd Note. That'd be cool. Um, what, what's the movie I'm thinking about that's got Charles Bronson in it? Death Wish. Death Wish. He went on a Death Wish spree and fucking... Is it Death you Wish? You know, they're making a new Death Wish with Bruce Willis. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Is he going to have that Charles Bronson mustache? I don't think so. Shame on him. There's a trailer out. You should look at it. Yep. Death Wish. Uh, Man. I don't know. I, I guess because of the uh, line of dialogue in The Force Awakens when Snoke calls Kylo Master of the Knights of Ren... Like, I guess because of that, I just assume they're around still, you know? Yeah. Even you, Master of the Knights of Ren. Because if none of them are around, what's he really the master of? If there's no other Knights of Ren, how is he the master of anything? That would be like me saying, Halls, Burkhart, Master of the... Something. Just kind of believe in yourself. <laughs> If you're a master, you, you just got to believe in yourself. 
I drew a serious blank on that. All this coma talk, man. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's up with the Knights of Ren. What do you think? Um, there's probably they probably still exist. It's too cool of an idea. It's very to me. It's very anime like where all of them have a different weapon. You know, a different fighting style. Yeah, but what's weird about that is so do the Praetorian Guards. They all have different weapons, it looks like. Oh, really? I thought they all had spears. No, one guy looks like he's got a spear. Uh, I saw a there's a Ray and Praetorian Guard 2-pack that's coming out, and the Praetorian Guard and that has, like, these daggers. There's one that maybe, looks like he's got a sword. Maybe they are the Knights of Ren. It wouldn't bother me if they were, honestly. Hey. I, I like the concept of, of Snoke being like, you guys done good. He's going to be my right-hand man, but I'll make all you guys my personal guard. It would yeah. be a shame to lose the look of those Knights of Ren. Even though you can't see them all that clearly in The Force Awakens, they look cool. Yeah, you it's know? a cool concept. So, I don't know. I, I would hope that we end up getting some explanation of the Knights of Ren. I hope it's not a situation where... Like J.J. Abrams put him in there, and then you know, going forward, Ryan Johnson was just like, I don't want to do anything with them. Yeah, but, I don't want to touch that. Yeah. Um, but you know, we'll we'll know in less than four months. Less than four months before we know the answer to that question. <clears throat> Plus, as just a Star Wars collector, I'm not gonna lie, a Knights of Ren set would be pretty appealing. Like all those dudes with Kylo. Mm, that sounds cool. All right. Uh, lastly, we have an email from my buddy Ed. I met Ed at um, Star Wars Celebration this year. He's a cool dude. He looks like he could whip some ass, this Ed. Also, Ed, yeah. Ed by the way, has a, uh, has a Star, Wars, Star Wars... Ass-whipping Ed. Star Wars... Ass-whipping Ed. Has a Star Wars podcast of his own. Um, that you guys should check out. Let me, it is scruffy looking pod. You can follow them on, uh, uh, Twitter at scruffy podcast. They're on Podbean. Um, I'm not sure they're on, they're already on iTunes. So yeah, check them out. Scruffy looking pod. Ass whooping Ed. With I'm scruffy looking Ed. pod. <laughs> Ed buddy. I think you got a nickname that you got to start using. Ass whooping Ed. All right, what's up, Halls and Will? I don't know why it's taken me so long to send in an email, but first-time email, long-time listener, and I love the show. So in light of the Obi-Wan standalone movie, and if it ends up taking place in between episode three and four, what do you guys think the chances are of seeing Yoda in this movie, and when, and in what capacity? Also, do you think doing an Obi-Wan story with Jabba as the antagonist is possible since he is on Tatooine? What kind of story would make this happen? Maybe this is where Jabba learns about old Jedi mind tricks firsthand. Cooking with Quil Will question. Uh-oh. Here we go. So, this is, he's got, he came in with a, a three-parter. If you were to make fish tacos, what would the Will version of them be? Slaw? Special mayo? Sauce? Battered fried fish? If this is too loaded of a question, or if you don't like fish tacos, you can skip it. No way. Thanks a ton, guys. Love what you do, and keep it up. Ed from Maine. All right. Let's, uh, I'll give you some time to think on the four fish tacos while we address the other stuff. 
I've I've already got it, but let's okay. Go. No, you go first. If you got the fish tacos, go for it. Fish tacos. I would do a kind of slaw. Um, I wouldn't do a really wet slaw though. It'd be a very very light slaw, a light little bit of vinegar, um, little bit of oil, and some. So the cabbage is crunchy when you bite into that taco. Some excellently grilled and seasoned fish. Um, you can use any different kind of seasoning. You know whatever you prefer on fish. Uh, that right on top, that hot grilled fish, warm tortilla, the crunchy, cool cabbage, and whatever else you want to put in your slaw. Um, and and I'd be careful to call it a slaw because you don't want it wet and soggy. You still want it crisp and crunchy. And then some sort of sauce to top the fish. Maybe something like a Fiesta Ranch, like something creamy but remoulade. also spicy. Maybe a remoulade if you want to. Um and then you know something something else to set it off a uh, 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 a squeeze of lime ooh damn maybe maybe just a pinch of cilantro or raw red onion and then boom you want to come over and make fish tacos yeah dude i'll make <laughs> fish tacos <laughs> all right um that sounds excellent Chances of seeing Yoda in the Obi-Wan standalone movie so i don't think it'll happen it wouldn't mm. upset me I just don't see a need to actually see him in person. What I could see happening is, you know, if Obi-Wan is communing with Qui-Gon, I don't see why he couldn't also communicate with Yoda, you know? I could see maybe... A little scene with him meditating and you hear him... Yeah, speaking with Yoda or something. That that I could see. Um, Wouldn't surprise me. Don't necessarily know that it's needed. I would say... If you're doing an Obi-Wan set in between three and four movie, it's more likely to see Qui-Gon. At least I would hope. Um, you know, see him communing with Qui-Gon. Is you know how awesome it would be to see ghost Liam Neeson? Well, they, you know, the thing is, is Qui-Gon doesn't really appear to people. Like, I think that's part of the whole... His body didn't disappear. Even you know? hear his voice. Yeah, that's that's I think would be the most likely is to hear his voice. And you know, Liam Neeson came back and did episodes of the Clone Wars and stuff. So I don't see why he wouldn't be willing to to do that for Obi Wan. I would hope so. <laughs> um, I love Liam Neeson. If Obi Wan stays on Tatooine for the whole movie, I see it being very possible that Jabba could be some sort of plot device in the movie at the very least um or some you know something that that Jabba is doing to the citizens of Tatooine that uh Obi-Wan is not cool with and he's like well shit I guess I gotta take care of this you know um if not Jabba I could see it being some other sort of seedy douchebag on Tatooine Maybe he clears that one out and leaves the way open for Jabba. Yeah. Well, no, I think Jabba's pretty pretty well established at this point because we see him in The Phantom Menace. And he seems like a pretty big Is that big him kid. or his dad? That's him. Jabba the Hutt. Gardula the Hutt in the background looking weird as fuck. Fucking. It looks like they put, a lip, put lipstick on her. It's fucking weird, man. Right. Not a good, not a good effect 
Like if, when you watch the Phantom Menace, look at Gardula the Hut, and and it's like watching a fucking uh, early '90s full motion video game. You know what I mean? Like Night Trap. It's like Night Trap graphics. <coughs> Yikes. Um. Yeah. Thanks for writing in, Ed. I appreciate that, buddy. Um, I think that's it. I think we're all caught up with emails and stuff. Sorry it took us a little while to get um get to everybody, but you know glad we're glad we were able to. Me too, buddy. Me too. All right. Um so I think that's gonna do it for us this week. Uh thanks for listening, guys. Uh sorry we missed last week. You know we don't let that happen that often though, so thanks for understanding nonetheless. Uh thanks for recording with me this week, buddy. Oh, you know, I love it. Love, love, love it. Uh, if you like our theme song, then please check out the band that was kind enough to donate the music. They are Stoned Cobra. And you I can, can tell you this firsthand. They're kick-ass dudes. Kick-ass dudes. They, you can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. Uh, like I said, we got a new shirt for sale, Porg Cuddle Club tpublic.com slash user slash blue harvest pod cast blue harvest pod or blue harvest podcast i don't know fuck how am i fucking this up i do this every week and and like all of a sudden i'm having a brain fart and can't remember Um, get some of them limited edition poor color (laughs) t-shirts we'll buy them now for the gone I mean, they'll be up there as long as they don't get taken down. So I'm not going to like try to rush people out there. But if you want them, it's a really kick-ass design. My favorite thing about the design is the guy cuddling the porg looks like it could be me or Will. So whichever one of you like. Appropriate. Us, whichever one of us you like best, that's who it is. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's tpublic.com slash user slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, next Friday will be our Force Friday show. Next Friday, the first is Force Friday. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, get in touch with our buddy Evan and see if he wants to come on. He came on our Force Friday show last year. Let's make it a... Sweet. Why don't we try to make that a thing? We'll get our buddy Evan on if he's uh, Make it a available. thing. Let's do it. Let's call his people. Yeah, so next Friday you'll either hear a very exuberant Hawes who's just picked up uh, a load of new Star Wars toys or you hear bummed Hawes who finally uh, hit the big zero on Force Friday. So, um, Or Hawes will have woken up from his coma and none of this will happen and won't be any real. God damn it. <laughs> uh, let me ask you a real quick uh, a quick question before okay um you know it's one of those popular things online now where people are like some scientists think that we're all really just part of a very advanced computer simulation you've seen that right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like when you read that do you go oh that's cool or how do you feel when you read that I I just think, oh, that's cute. This isn't a simulation. It freaks me the fuck out. If too much bad shit and too much good shit happens for it to be a simulation. Like I just I, like it freaks me out when I read those. I go, oh god, is, could that be true? Am I just lo- living in the most world's most advanced computer game? Am I just an NPC in the world's most advanced computer game? Oh fuck.
And then now this coma talk has really spent me, sent me on a spiral. Oh yeah. Damn dude. Cause like, Sorry, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes like it's question reality, not necessarily, but sometimes I, uh, I, uh, and it, it's typically revolves around like moments of high anxiety. <clears throat> so like if I've got, um, a really important or busy day at work that I don't know how I'm going to get it all done the next day. Like as I'm laying in bed, trying to fall asleep, all of a sudden it'll just pop into my mind. I'll hear my own voice go, you know, you're going to die one day and fucking, Ooh, panic attack. I start sweating and shit. I get real anxious. This coma. That's shit. fucked up. Hoss. I know. I just out of nowhere. You're like, you're going to die one day. I had it happened. The last time I had it happen real bad, I was a little fucked up, so it didn't. That doesn't help. But I was at a Tool concert last year, 2016, I think. Yeah, yeah, 2016. Yeah, definitely. Um, and just in the middle of seeing my favorite band, it popped into my head: "You're gonna die one day." Fucking <laughs> panic attack, man! Panic attack. <laughs> sucks oh no and i'm not joking like i was on that like i'm on the edge of panic this coma shit's got me wigging out a little bit it's like that time do you remember when i had a panic attack at the house in starkville and i thought it was haunted one time do you remember this i do i i i go to that one on i think too uh you did you did uh (laughs) You absolutely did. So, <laughs> the, yeah, because the house in Starkville, the thing about it is was it was so big and there were so many people living there that you were never alone in that house. Except for this one time during the summer. I <laughs> Except ended for up, when you were. I ended up being the only one in the house. And I got the paranoids really bad one night, thought the house was haunted, and went and sat outside by the pool until like four in the morning. And I was texting with Will, and Will was just egging it on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's this is that the stuff fascinates me, right? So the supernatural and the paranormal. Oh, I thought you were about to say the fact that this stuff, like I start panicking, fascinates you. <laughs> no, 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 no. It fascinates me that you. You. I love to make you freak out. I don't like to make you freak out. But yeah, it's, I love to make you freak to, out. I, I it's don't fun like to it. punch your buttons, but I don't like to make you hyperventilate and have a panic attack. Oh. Well, anyway, we'll see you next week, guys. Thanks for listening. Until yeah. then, this has been Blue Harvest. I'm Halls Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. May the force be with you. May the force be with all of you. May the force be with us. <laughs>